Hello and welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Our entire mission is to help you live on purpose, with purpose, and connect to the exact work that God has prepared for you and called for you to do. And I want to let everybody know out there that my book, you might have heard about it, it's coming out April 27th. It's called On Purpose, With Purpose, Discovering Your Best Life Now. And I would love for you to be a part of our launch team. We want to create a movement because here's, here's what I believe. You know, we all hear about the why, the what, and the how. But what is absolutely foundational, what has to precede being able to connect to that, including our purpose and everything else, our calling is who we are. Not who we see in the mirror, but who God made us to be. And this book is about that entire journey. We're getting incredible feedback. So here's what happens. I'll just make this quick. Join the launch team. You just go to beyondinfluence.com forward slash book. You're going to get a free copy, a digital copy of the book. It's normally $16.99 when it's going to be on Amazon. Uh, you're going to get access to some uh, some of my courses. We got some great surprises. Also, the only thing I'd like you to do as part of the launch team is just order a copy of the book, lead us a review, and share some of the stuff that we're going to be putting on social media. So we just want to make an impact out there. So please join the On Purpose With Purpose launch team. And as a part of that circle of champions, we got some other great stuff uh, in store for you. So with that, we are uh, we have a great episode for you coming up next. All right, everybody, we are going to have a fantastic episode today. We're going to be talking about a very important topic, especially with what's happening in the world right now as if you guys have been hearing me talk about a great awakening, an awakening in the body of Christ into really, I think, understanding the true nature of who God is and what God's promises are and who we are in Christ, not maybe who we see in the mirror. And then how do we bring that out in the world? And as I was uh, exploring, how do we do some episodes on this podcast around this? I got an email from our friend, Brad Lominick, who you guys know and love, who's been on the podcast. And he says, hey, John, you have to talk to my friend, Ken Costa, who's amazing, grew up in South Africa, investment banker. He's done some incredible things in global business. Ken, how many books have you written now? Is it three, four? Uh, four Christian books, yeah. Four Christian books. Uh, he's out there teaching, discipling, and showing people what it looks like when we bring God into work with us. How do we live every single day with purpose? So, Ken, welcome to the podcast. John, thank you very much. It's a great privilege to be able to do so, speaking all the way from London, uh, England, I suppose I ought to add for, uh, for some of your listeners. Uh, it's an amazing thing that we can actually communicate in this way. So thank you very much for yeah, having right. Like It'd be great. Like As the crow flies, we're, I don't know what, probably 4,000, 4,000 miles apart, and we're talking like we're in the next room. Probably twice that. Yeah, probably twice that, 12 hours on a plane. So Ken, here, I'd love to start uh, because I know you have a passion for this. How do we, um, we were just talking before we even hit record, like what does it look like to bring our faith out in the world, right? I know what it looks like in my quiet time when I'm doing my Bible study and I'm going to church, but how do we bring that out in the world? 
when we look around us right now in the world and we see all these problems and these challenges and there's these things that make us angry and I think you know righteous anger is a good thing because it moves us to action some of the things that we see happening in the world but right now um, there is a lot of good things happening but how do we bring the kingdom and really understand that kingdom mandate out into our life in our world Monday through Friday and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And with that, Ken, though, I, you have an amazing story and life experiences starting all the way back in South Africa under apartheid. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey before we dig into some of these topics, because I think it's really important. Sure. I grew up in, in South Africa uh, under the apartheid regime, which I loathed. I didn't see very much opportunity for a peaceful change in the country. Felt that... Uh, Marx really had the central answers to the most important questions of economics and life. And uh, we had a tough time, you know, led many of the demonstrations of students against the regime. Uh, and then when things got more uncomfortable, I came to university in England to study. And while I was here, I think my faith came alive. And it came alive because I realized that although Marx could answer some of the questions of, of economics and, and the structures of finance and labor, actually he couldn't answer the central question of what goes on in a person's heart and mm -hmm. how that freedom is established. And that led me on a journey to faith. And uh, I, I came to a living faith then. I don't think that Marx has anything of the right answers as uh, a, a rest of my my time has been spent in investment banking uh, for the last 40 odd years. I'm still practicing uh, in investment banking and working, you know, in speaking and understanding the true truths. I mean, you know, the Bible's given to us as a prospectus of how not only how Christians should live, but a good way of living for everybody. And I've tried to unpack that in writing books like God at Work or Know Your Why to give people a sense of calling, of purpose and of doing that every day. Uh, and that I think makes the big difference. You know, like I just look at the world we live in right now, like uh, South Africa at the time was a Christian nation. And you came to the UK and you came alive in your faith, but you go back into an environment where things don't line up with your understanding of really what's in scripture. Is that, is that the case? Well, it said it was a Christian nation. Uh, it had a warped theology of the separate but equal doctrine espounded by the church uh, as well. And I think it's profoundly dangerous when a secular political organization become identified with the gospel or, or with the church of Jesus Christ. And, and therefore, one has to speak truth to power. I wasn't in a position to do so then, because I didn't think that there was any relevance of the Christian faith. Well, I do now, and I think that this is our time. This is a time for what the world most needs, we have, which is a message of real hope in the day-to-day -day workplaces that all of us involved in. I mean, I wouldn't say to your listeners, and I'm sure they wouldn't say to me, to have any doubt of the fact that it's tough out there. It's a stressful place, and we're struggling. And we're having a difficult time in lockdown, and we are learning to live with a renewed view of what it's like to live for God in a hostile world. 
I think there's a lot of people listening right now, Ken, who are looking at these big problems and they're also trying to solve their own. What does it look like to live out your faith every day, you know, outside of the house, in the workplace, even if that workplace is now like what we're doing is sitting at home through Zoom? Well, it takes a reorientation. Uh, One does have to reorient towards God. You have to reorient yourself towards the realization that we're not in control. If the COVID virus has taught us anything, it is that here came something that which an entire globe could not control, neither financially nor in our health services. It brought with it unimaginable unemployment, social dislocation, racist issues that were raised. All of this has happened within a short period of time. We need to reorient. I, I try to say the Our Father every morning mm-hmm. uh, as a reminder of the fact that we are dependent uh, on him for everything that we have each day in the workplace. That means doing the work that I do to the best of my ability is a calling from God. Um, and my workstation is my worship station. That is a reality that we take into the workplace every day. And it's a discipline. It starts with a reflection in the morning. I'm using a wonderful new meditation app developed by my son. So here's a plug for Glorify. You've heard of Shopify. Sure. Um, here is a, and Spotify here is Glorify, which is a basic introduction to short meditation, brief reading of the Bible, just what's needed to start a day well. Whichever way it is, one needs to start it with God. And I think that the rest of the day, there is space for faith in the workplace. We just need to be able to do so in, in speaking openly and transparently uh, with a language that people can understand. I'm too often, you know, Christian language is such gobbledygook that nobody understands what on earth they're saying. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Okay, so glorify. I uh, thank you for that because I, I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is actually grab my phone and read Jesus Calling. Love starting my day with that, and anything else it can just help me get in the right right mindset, right mind frame. But let, let me ask you this: What you know, everybody out there who's listening, Ken, because you you put a lot of thought into this. I'll never forget. I was doing an interview with C. Peter Wagner. Uh, oh, yes who's now passed on, but this was when I first started the podcast. And I was talking to him about this concept of uh, the marketplace as mission. Uh, Because I had an accident nine years ago, Ken, that put me in the hospital for two years. Um, I had the entire top of my body crushed. My audience has heard the whole story, but I could not go back and work in business the way that I had. God, everything shifted. Sure. And I felt like this deep calling as I looked at all these, what should I do? Should I start a nonprofit? Should I join a nonprofit? I only could work a few hours a week. I felt so deeply in my spirit that I was actually called mm-hmm. with everything that who God made me to be to, to be my mission field was the marketplace, working with teams, working with for-profit companies. And I'll never forget, I shared that with my pastor, and he was complete. He didn't know what to do with me. And I asked uh, Peter Wagner about this. And he goes, well, I, ha- I wish you hadn't asked me that question, because there's very few people in traditional 
in the traditional church who would use the word marketplace and, and, and missionary in the same sentence. And I would love your thoughts on how everybody out there listening to this should maybe think about, you know, what we're doing in our work in context of the scripture. Well, we are fulfilling what God has given to us. And I believe that there is no such thing as a distinction between the sacred and the secular, between Agreed. the pastors and the programmers. We are doing what God has called us to do. And therefore, we have to change a mindset to enable us to understand that when a lawyer draws up a document that is a good reflection of what the parties have agreed, he is striking a blow for truth. When a salesman writes a sales document, he is trying to balance the selling of something with a truthful explanation of what he is selling. I mean, it's not a lawyer's document. It is a sales document. There are narrow judgments to be made. But all the way through, it's within an overall structure of a values-based system that says there are good values to live your life by, whereas you know there are small things. So, for example, a, a good friend of mine, would always say to me that he has been as successful as he has in sales for the simple reason that most people say, you know, try and sell as much as you can and don't invest too much in the person. And his belief is to go the extra mile to his client. And he has maintained because the clients have seen through the fact that there is somebody who goes beyond the mere transactional and is looking for a relationship. And it's the relational that makes the distinctive difference that people will say, how is it that you are, you are so open and engaged and unstressed, even though you may be stressed inside? It's because we have an extraordinary hope that enables us to want to relate to people and see the good news established uh, in their lives as well and at the workplace. Yeah, so what, what I'm hearing in what you just said, Ken, is in the, you know, when we're at work, right, is like this standard of excellence. Because I, I think in the marketplace, when is when we go in and we have a level of excellence in what we do, how we do it, right? Are we representing, let's say, a product well? If we owe a bill, do we pay the bill right away or do we find an excuse to drag it out 30, 60, 90 days? Um, how do we treat the people that we work with? Can anybody look at us and differentiate, you know what, there's something special about Ken. You know what, that's not the culture that a lot of us are working in. That's not the example a lot of people that call themselves Christian leaders in business are setting. So what are some things we can do to actually start affecting some positive change and bring some kingdom influence into those things that we can control? Well, the first is to monitor yourself, mm. to actually start the day with some very clear objectives. You know, I am going to be open and loving to the person who's working next to me who irritates me beyond measure. I am going to be helpful to a, a person who I don't particularly want to help because that, that person is a competitor. There are very small things. It is extraordinary how behavior is changed by some of the smallest tweaks that we make to the relationships that we have with people in our workplace. Let me give you an example. I was yeah. in the midst of a very, very tough 
takeover, we were very stressed that that's my background in mergers and acquisitions. And my colleague of mine was being even more stressed. And I said to him, let's go for a walk. And I took him for a walk across London Bridge and back. I never spoke to him about God in any way. Mm -hmm. But 20 years later, he still remembered the fact that I took the trouble to walk across London Bridge with him uh, and to share with him a very human situation of someone being stressed, needing some fresh air. And he knew that, of course, the motivation for it came from uh, faith that I had. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's in the, it, it, you have to reprogram uh, yourself for your day-to-day activities. And it's the small things that have the big results. It's not the big macro issues uh, that you think the big moral issues we feel we have to grasp. It's much more expressed in the day-to-day interactions that we have with people. Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, the the difficult person at work you mentioned. When I had my accident, Ken, and um, I was in God's presence laying there crushed, and I felt his love, this most intense and personal, unconditional love. The first thought I had across my brain as I felt this was, I am not worthy of somebody loving me like this. Wow. And as I reflected back on it, Ken, what I realized was everything I've ever done in my life, good, bad, otherwise, was not even relevant to the love that he has for me right now in the present. It's like I never understood what unconditional love, because everything else in my life is conditional. I mean, that's just kind of a, I think, part of human, you know, how we act as humans. Now, that said, what if we gave a measure of that grace to people that we work with? Because that person who is so difficult, who's always trying to one-up you, who always argues, who interrupts, you have no idea maybe what's happened in their life. Sure. Maybe trauma that they suffered growing up that has formed some mindsets and beliefs that might not even be true. Mm. Lies that they've accepted in about their identity that actually aren't accurate, but that's where they're operating from. Mm. And so one of the things that I'm always thinking about, I remember reading this in Oswald Chambers, and he said, there's always one other thing about another person that we'll probably never know. And, you know, that's that allows me to approach some of these really challenging people from a place of grace and has developed some extraordinary relationships with people that nobody else and maybe an organization gets along with. Now, what if we could be that person that's bringing that kind of just presence into a team? Because... If you're the one person that doesn't engage in gossip, doesn't engage in making maybe making fun of that person or treating them poorly, you could change how everybody else reacts, not only to that person, but to other people. Sure. And it's little things that we can do every day. And that we just got to be, I think, in prayer and in partnership with the Lord in all these situations, don't you think? Sure. I, I, yeah, absolutely. That is That is exactly right. It's in the in the small things that we will see the greatest uh, the greatest changes because they are the most difficult for us to engineer because we're we're trying to live out an inner conviction in our day-to-day activities we are trying to express in what we are doing in our day-to-day works a computer programmer or a school teacher 
a much broader picture, not merely doing a, a particular work at the time. Now, here, here's a question for you, because it just popped in my head, because this is something two different people have asked me in the last couple of days. And it's this, I think, balancing living out God's will every day and being his Christ ambassador in the workplace. And some of my own ambitions and goals that I have in career, you've, you've been in the finance world, you've been successful, you've seen a lot of people rise. How do you balance, you think, some of the choices that we have to make, the ambitions that we have in light of also, you know, some of the things that God has asked us to do? But I frequently ask the question about work-life balance. Mm. And it's not a concept that I really accept because the assumption is there's something called work and there's something called life and you should balance the two. But in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he talks about in Christ Jesus, all things hold together. And we therefore have to see this, the Spirit of God as the integrator of work and life. There is only one thing called life and our work and our life, which is our family, our, you know, the, the people around us, as well as the workplace are themselves integrated. And we need to have that picture of seeing this as one rather as two very separate, almost like warring tribes that we've got to try and settle a kind of dispute between the two because there's a constant civil war between me my work and my home. And if we see it in that way, we will simply fail every time. If we see God in both spheres, drawing them together, we will see the Spirit of God doing the one thing that the Spirit of God does, which is not to make us more religious, but to make us more human and to integrate the personality and to integrate our relationships, both in the workplace, in the home place, in our gyms, in our schools, in our universities, wherever we happen to be. Yeah, so when you're in that place where you know you're on Sundays, right? You go to church and you're you're in one mindset, but then you almost feel like you have to flip the switch and show up to work in a certain way because of either the culture or the environment, the expectations. How do you start making those changes to create that integration? Well, you have to have a change in your mindset. You have to have a paradigm shift, which says that when you come together to worship on a Sunday, and COVID has taught us a great thing about, you know, where our religious activity actually happens to be. When you come to do that, there is a shift that needs to take place in your mind, which sees the Sunday continuing through Monday to Friday. It is not possible to leave your faith at the doorway of your office on a Monday, only to pick it up uh, at the weekend and be a good father and a, and a happy husband at the weekend. It doesn't work like that. So what one has to do is change the mindset and then recognize and accept and remind oneself, you know, John 15, I have called you, you have not chosen me, to realize that there's something very special about what you're doing. It is a calling. It's not merely some activity that happens to take the space between Monday and Friday. This is a distinctive calling by God, not just for us to be able to be evangelistic. I don't go to work in order to, to be an evangelist. I go to work to do the work that God has given me to the best of my advantage and to take every opportunity of relating the good news of Jesus Christ in and through my life 
with the people that are around me. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Um, I love what you said there. And uh, this weekend, I, I went and did uh, kind of a, a two-day silent retreat. And one of the verses that God really brought me to was in Matthew 28, um, 19 and 20. And it, it was, you know, it said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I'm surely with you always to the very end of the age. And I started looking into the meanings of the words. I was stuck on the word go. And there was a whole bunch of translations. If you actually look back at the original language, it's not to go as in like a destination. It's like as you go, like in the present, as you journey. And it opened up a door for me to understand that, you know what, that sales call is a chance for me to be in a mode and show up in a way where I actually have an in kingdom influence. I can be discipling people without talking about scripture in every interaction I have with a coworker, whether it's a coaching client. And I got to tell you, for me, Ken, as I really thought about that, for me, the work that I want to do in the world really opened up possibilities versus creating in my mind almost the way I thought about it, like this dependent event. I have to create circumstances so that I could go and do something. Does that make sense? It certainly does. And it's wonderful what you've described. Uh, I didn't know that I could cope with a two-day silent retreat. Most difficult text in the whole New Testament for me is not that I've died with Christ, but that he went to a lonely place and was there on his own. I, I mean, I think five minutes and I'm completely mad. Well, this is the first time I've ever done it. I'm 54. And I got to tell you, I brought up a journal and a Bible. <laughs> that was it. It's a great discipline. I wish I could do it. Uh, but what I do think is important is that when we go uh, on, on places like that, we find times when the Bible comes alive. Mm -hmm. And all of us need to find for ourselves the way in which the Bible comes alive and we believe that God is active in our lives. For most people, the idea is, well, you know what? I'm just going to go to work and I'm going to carry on doing my computer programming or whatever I'm doing. And God is, well, somewhere, uh, but not here. And if you separate God out from what you're doing, you have the, just enough of Jesus to be miserable. Instead, you know, one needs to draw him in and enjoy his presence and enjoy the work that he's given you if you're lucky enough to be able to have work that can be enjoyable, and to be able to reflect the goodness of God in the day-to-day -day, uh, activities that we undertake. So, you know, in that, I'd love your perspective on this too. This is really neat. Like, I feel like I, I'm, I get to, you know, like climb the hill and talk with the sage with all of your experience and things have you written. So thank you for this conversation. I really, I truly appreciate it. When somebody's going into work, Right. Yeah. And, and they're working on shifting their mindset, but there's still just a lot of stress at work, like especially now. Sure. Right. I, I don't know if I'll be employed next month. Sure. People around me are not doing well, maybe even, you know, sure. mentally. We're all interacting through sure. virtually. So the human connection has gone. I was just talking to a good friend of mine. He's really struggling right now because that lack of connection is really starting to just really weigh on him from a mental health perspective. So when we're really, I think, feeling that stress and anxiety as we're out, right, which can be counterproductive for us to really be that ambassador to Christ in that environment, how do we think about that? How do we approach 
that when we're feeling. We have to realize that it's not just that God loves me. I need to feel that he loves me. Mm. And I need to express that love of God to other people so that they can feel that he loves me. The first way to break the insularity of what stress and pressure does, because what it does is it tightens around your chest and it narrows your perspective and it closes yeah, yeah. the world in which you're operating. Uh, and it kind of says to you that the only thing that matters is that you and this loop that you go round and round and round of the same issue, the problem, what's going to happen tomorrow? I haven't got a job. I haven't got any money. What about my finances, my family, my future? goes round and round and round. Nothing breaks into that circle, except that what we need to do is do one thing. One is step out of it and say something good and helpful to someone else. Secondly, take a serious look at a time of meditating, of reflecting on the Bible. Set yourself aside. Don't take any digital equipment with you. Thirdly, in the worst cases, when you're really stressed out of your mind, out of your skull, and I've been there and you've been there, just read some of the Psalms. Read them. Read them aloud. It may make no sense to you, but the Bible is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. Then just read them and let the Word of God sow through you and be able to recognize that we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. Life may be as bad as you've ever known it. It couldn't be worse than what Jesus faced. Yet he rose again. Yet there is hope. Yet the Spirit of God works within us in our working environment because the cross of Jesus Christ, if you ask me what's about the furthest place that people can get from God, it is not in some drug den in some run-down city. It is within the workplaces that mm -hmm. we work in. It's as far people would get from God because it's the independence from God that is this mindset that needs to change. And when we change that, then the Spirit of God enables us slowly but surely. This is no quick fit. I'm not a therapist, not a self-help person, but I do know the power of the Spirit of God to infuse hope into our lives. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Because, you know, it's interesting. As I was going up into this two-day retreat, Ken, I was, I was feeling just stressed about everything going on, some things with our company. And, and God brought me to Romans 5, uh, when he talks about, you know what, we need the glory in our sufferings. And I think of Paul and, uh, sure. who was it, Paul and Timothy, they just had gotten beaten and thrown into jail. Right? Did I got the names right? I'll make sure I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. But right, remember they started singing and praising the Lord while they were in prison and God blew all the doors open. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, I mean, they just got beaten and they're sitting there. Like, I think of that. But he says, you know, have glory in our sufferings because that produces perseverance. Yeah. And I see that as patience, right? Which leads to character and character to hope. And, and I know through my life, having that hope to hold on to, to know that tomorrow or next week or tomorrow could be better than today is what keeps me moving forward. And one of the things as, as I was kind of journaling, I looked back on, on some of the really challenging times of my life in context and said, you know what, every time I thought there was going to be like this horrible outcome, and sometimes there were some bad outcomes, different things. And I can point, though, to every single time where God showed up, where God was faithful, where God was there. And I think, you know, to just add to what you said, I think sometimes 
putting things in context to look back and say, you know what? God is there. And if I haven't felt like he's there before, I think it's real important right now even to be in a community, find people that think and talk like Ken, uh, like this podcast, like people around your church, or reach out and create those relationships. You start out talking about relationships, Ken, of those people that have, you know, walked through the valley and they've come out the other side, or maybe they're, they're back in the valley, but this is not meant to just go through alone. No, but the other thing to do, I read a, I read a book called uh, On Joseph of Arimathea. Now, you may not have ever heard of Joseph of Arimathea. Um, he's a footnote, a small print of history, but he appears in all four Gospels. And it is quite clear to me he took the body of Jesus from the cross, which you will know. But the big dogs weren't there. You know, where was John? Where was Peter? Where was Thomas? Well, he had that, so you probably forgive him. But where were they? They weren't there. What happened was that an ordinary business person, which is Joe, I've come to like Joe. You have other Joes in your country. You know, I won't express a view. But <laughs> Joe, Joe of Arimathea is a great guy. What does he do? Is he takes the body of Jesus from the cross. He calls his other partner, Nicodemus, Two business people, common objective, to bury the Messiah. They need money. They pool their money to get the funds to buy the spices. But then there is the silent Saturday. The great thing about Joseph is he did not know how the story was going to end. Mm. And when we're in very tough and difficult times, as we are in the workplace, as we are in COVID, as we are with the uncertainties facing us, We don't know how the story is going to end, but nor did Joe. And yet he carried the weight of the body of Christ in his hands to put into his own tomb and sealed it. And, you know, the hope of Israel dead, his aspirations dead, his future as a believer dead, his future of trusting somebody who is going to create this new kingdom dead, just as many people Uh, listening, will know that their own hopes, their ambitions, their future plans are dead. Yeah, I can almost envision his sense of hope had just been completely ripped away. Potentially, and dead. And then, of course, Silent Saturday was followed by Celebration Sunday. And every Christian leader will go through a time of a silent Saturday when the workplace is screwed up, when the orders aren't coming in, when your family is pulled apart, when your kids are causing difficulty, when you self-doubt about you and your future and your purpose, then remember the resurrection comes. And But the silent Saturday is a time when you draw close to God. I believe that he is closest to us in those silent days than we can ever imagine. And that includes the workplace. That's, that's a, just a beautiful reminder and, you know, and one of the things that was interesting as I was reading Exodus and, and reading about Moses and something God showed me was when God came down to get Moses and uh, shared with him what he wanted him to do, that this wasn't God's will for Moses. A lot of my prayer can, especially when things are challenging, is like, God, you know, this is what I want. What is your will for me? God's will in that season, in that moment, was to free an entire nation. It was so much bigger than 
just Moses. And he was inviting Moses to join him in what he was doing. And for me, that was a shift in how I prayed was that God, I ask you please to reveal to me your will and what you're doing in the world. And what I need to do as an individual, as John, to change, to adapt, to grow, to join you. And I got to tell you, and some of those times have really, for me, just like Moses and others have created like this crisis in faith. Like that's not something I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm equipped to do that. And what I realized was that, you know what, if I just accept this one simple thing that I am Christ's perfect workmanship mm. right now, as I sit and there are good works that he's prepared for me, mm. then I'm ready to go right now. Mm. And so that's been my prayer. And for me, it's given me a lot of hope and how to move forward through all this and that is, Lord, show me your will and show me the one small step that I need to do today in the present to just keep moving forward on the path that you want me to stay on. And sometimes I have no visibility at all where this path is going. I just have to trust that I'm putting that God is shining his lamp on my feet and I'm just putting my foot on the next step that I need to take. Because past that, sometimes in this, what's going on right now, I, I can't see. So it's a place of just deep trust. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we in this time of COVID, we've come to learn the deep trust that we need to have. I think the, the simple words of Jesus to us in this time is come to me. Come to me. We've got quite cocky and independent in the way in which we've carried on our lives, felt that we can do it without him. We've been successful in our churches, with programs, in our businesses, with uh, meeting targets. And I think the call back now is come to me for a renewed relationship mm -hmm. with him in the toughness, in the difficulty. And then to be able to really rejoice um, in the good things. I think one of the great things about Jesus is not only does the Spirit of God help us when things are really rough, but also he makes the good better. That's the story of the marriage feast in Cana. He makes the good better. And so if you're having a good time, you want all the more to come to spend time with him because he makes the good better. And I think that's why it's such an integrated faith. Uh, you know, when Paul writes to the very first planted community in Thessalonica in uh, First Thessalonians, he says this, which is the distinctiveness of Christians which is that they were able by the Holy Spirit to have great joy in the midst of enormous suffering. And that is true that we have, that, that, is, that is what our heritage is, that in the midst of great suffering, the Spirit of God gives us the joy uh, that comes only from God's grace. And that is true in the workplace as ever it is in a church or a Bible study group or an network community group of whatever. Mm, love that. And so people that are listening to you, Ken, because you're amazing. Thank you for making time. How do they connect you? Your your website, gotitwork.org.uk. Is that correct? Uh, no, I think the best is kencosta.com. Okay, kencosta.com. Or on any one of the social media or order any of the books on Amazon. Yeah, and if you guys go to Amazon.com and just type in Ken Costa, we, we've been talking about God at work, living every day with purpose. 
fantastic book needed right now. And, you know, just as we wrap up, you know, we have thousands and thousands of people listening. Can just any just final thoughts or message to everybody tuning in, so to speak? Yes, it would be this. You are probably as frustrated as hell. I use the words advisedly. As I am, I mean, I'm headbanging. I'm frustrated. I, you know, the things I want to do, I can't do. The future that I want to plan, I can't plan. The issues I have to grapple with today, there is no answer to. There's massive macro uncertainty in the world. And I spoke to a great pastor friend of mine, and he looked at me and he said to me, Ken, what you see as frustration, God sees as fermentation. Mm. as an opportunity to allow you to stew in his present, allow you to savor the time, to teach you new things, to allow a certain fermenting to occur within your life. So you can choose to live frustrated, or you could see what God is doing and live in this kind of fermenting of the presence of God and the goodness of God as you reflect on the Bible and you reflect on the work that God has called you to do. I think that makes a big change. And I would just say to any, any of you listening to me, enjoy the fermentation and come to Jesus. Uh, come to me, Jesus says, even in the harshness of the commercial compromises of the workplace. Yeah, did, you know, did it ever occur to any of us that nothing actually ever occurs to God? So everything that's happening right now he's knows about and is known about. And like you said, I, I find comfort in resting in the fact that God actually has a plan that everything is working together. Even if it's not comfortable for me, there is purpose to it. Sure. And that gives me a tremendous amount of peace to be frank thank you. in all this. So Ken, thank you so much. This was a hey, great conversation. You, I would thank love to have you, you come back anytime you want. You're so kind. Thank you to all your listeners. I hope it's been helpful. And keep hope that what the world most needs, we have hope. Beautiful hope. Hope in Christ Jesus. Amen. Absolutely.